Hello, and welcome back to Black Box Recordings Podcast. On this episode, we hear from Ryan Dukes. Ryan Dukes is a 2013 Air Force Academy graduate and a former C-130 pilot. On this episode, we talk about his unexpected military transition, as well as how to have a game plan to prepare yourself for life outside of the military. Hope you enjoy it. Yeah, uh, well, I just want to say thanks also, if I haven't thanked you already for doing this. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm humbled. Yeah, it's kind of awkward getting started because, you know, it weird. I think it, you don't want to weird people out and be like, hey, you want to do this radio interview with me? And, you know, it can be kind of off-putting to somebody like, well, who are you? You're a weird dude. So definitely means a lot for you to be, you know, say yes and do this and offer up your Oh, thank your you time. for thinking of me. I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, so. I'm bummed we couldn't do an or- our original plan, which is on our back patio uh, uh, with a mini reunion. But yeah, it would have been nice. I was really excited we about it. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, so, how is the new job? Oh, my goodness. It is good. I'm learning a ton, learning a lot about myself, too, in this, in this process. You go from being a subject matter expert in a very complex, high-pressure situation, and you become good at it. And then you jump into a totally new industry in a totally different pressure system, and you're not very good at it because you just have never done it. And it's been great learning so much, and that's just a daily repetition that I'm having to posture myself with is, I'm learning and I'm not there yet. And the key word is yet. So um, it's been good. It's been, yeah, I'm really thankful. I still have a job. Um, you know, I think one of the big questions that I asked in my interview when I was transitioning out of the Air Force was, are you postured for a recession? And, you know, being in the military, we do not have really a sensitive feel for economic ebbs and flows because it's such a protected ecosystem. And when I was transitioning out, that was a big wisdom piece that a lot of guys asked was, or told me was saying, Hey man, like you're interviewing them too. This is not just a, Hey, look how great I am on paper. And that was a question I asked is, are you ready for it? And I just remember our hiring manager that interviewed me, looked across the table, stone cold, and just said, we're an all-cash company. And I said, okay. And their financial discipline has helped produce a ton of security for my family right now because they have been really good with their money. And that's just a question I strongly ask all guys getting out of the Air Force, guys and girls getting out of the Air Force, or even the the military is, you know, get a list of questions that you're going to ask them and them being the company, prospective company, and understand what you're trying to achieve with those questions. And what I was trying to achieve with mine was, you know, it, it's not all roses and gumdrops. And are you ready for the bad days? That blew my mind. That I, even, I would never have thought in a job interview, the interview, interviewer asking me, are you ready to weather some bad time? Because like you said, I think we take it for granted, or at least, you know, I currently do. Like having a paycheck and just, you know, first and the 15th, all of a sudden, there's just money deposited oh. into your account, and you've never had to think about it. So, I don't know, that's pretty mind-blowing to me in a whole different 
frame of mind or a different mindset to kind of have going into things. So that's pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, do you mind kind of just elaborating? Like, what did you do before and what do you do now? Sure. I was a C-130J pilot at uh, Dice Air Force Base in Abilene, Texas, flying with the 39th Airlift Squadron. And I was um, faced a medical condition uh, that took me out of the cockpit. And then I was, I was then asked, I kind of told to leave the Air Force. And so now I'm an investment analyst at the Stan Johnson Company, and we're a capital market sales uh, commercial real estate brokerage. What that means is we uh, broker uh, basically triple net lease properties, and triple net lease is defined as very limited landlord responsibilities. Uh, so the tenant, the tenant who is occupying that space, is paying for not only their monthly rent but for the maintenance, the taxes, and the insurance of that company of that of that building. And it's a very strong investment for many investors. It's uh, less volatility than the stock market. And um, you have higher returns than long-term bonds. So it makes a ton of sense for a large pool of investors out there, as well as great tax incentives. And uh, with just real estate and appreciation and tax write-offs, it's very tax advantageous to have a triple net lease property within your personal portfolio for some, some of these people. And that's who we service. Yeah, that's something I know nothing about. And now that you're talking about, Mike, that sounds like something I should get get into. <laughs> I want to make some money. I, after being in this space, I'm I'm going to tell all my buddies, man, like, at least let me be your advocate and, and be the guy, you know, with the ear to the ground and say, hey, this is a good deal. This is a bad deal. Yeah. I'd love for my friends to be financially well-versed and find good deals. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, so basically that you went through having a military career, being a very specialized job, like you said, um, to thrust into the civilian workplace basically overnight. That Was that extremely difficult? What was that like to transition? Oh, my gosh. Well, I'll start you back to where it all started, and that was <laughs> deploying back in 2016. and. 2017, I'm sorry. And I was flying and I, my right hip would just be in excruciating pain after about three hours in the seat. And I could start to pop it like a knuckle. And I just knew that wasn't right. And when I came back home, uh, I met my now wife and she's a nurse practitioner. And she overheard my hip pop one day and she said, that's not normal. And so I went to go get it looked at. And long story short, the orthopedic and a surgeon in Abilene looked at my hip and he says, dude, you have really bad hips and it's a bilateral condition and you need a hip replacement. And I said, whoa, Johnny, like, can I, I just came in to get pain meds and I have to go brief here in like two hours. So I need to like break this process up and telling me I need a hip replacement was not a part of today's plan. You know, it felt, I think what you said resonated so well with me. It, it literally felt like it was overnight. Like one day I'm wearing the pickle suit and the next day I'm having to put a suit on. And it was just a really weird thing for me. And one of my buddies that was in the Navy 
he said, he said it best. He said, it took me eight years to mentally get out of the Navy. And I still, Brian, to this day, feel like I'm on extended TDY. I'm, I'm five months into my job. I'm very well versed, you know, for being a five month or investment analyst in, you know, the world of triple net leases. Um, I'm really lucky to have a company that takes training so seriously. So I'm able to feel like I'm adding value to my team right now. However, I'm no expert. I'm far from an expert, but I just still feel like I'm on TDY. I still feel like I'm at any point I can get the call from the scheduler. Hey, dude, day tack tomorrow, you're briefing, go. And it's weird. It's weird, man. I, you know, I, I've actually been very open with people and saying, I've, I've could probably count on one hand how many times I've truly been scared, truly been scared. And this transition was one of them because your safety net's gone. Your, your friends are gone. Your, a part of your identity is gone. And you have to go back to the drawing board and start all over. And that's a scary deal. And I think a lot of vets struggle with it because they, they grow really well and successful in a linear protected ecosystem of government work. And everything that we touch turns to gold in the, in the military. And I was very guilty of, I was very convicted of this, that I probably came across very prideful to other people talking about business. Cause I was like, well, all you got to do is, you know, get from A to B and this is what you have to do. Just like we fly airplanes, you know, just like we're doing a heavy, a heavy airdrop. Okay, cool. What's the load. Okay. And where are we dropping it? And when do you want it there? Okay. And then in our mind, we're already doing the, the calculus to get from point A to point B on time and home and everyone safe. And that's not how the real world works. You, there's twists and turns and disappointments and, you know, things happen so quickly and it's not linear. It's not a checklist. You, you just have to be ready. And that I think was something that I had to really posture myself to is I have to be ready for whatever comes this week. I have to be ready for an intense workload. I got to be ready for the call. Hey, man, it's time to roll or it's, you know, we've got a big project. It's time for you to step up to the plate. I just have, I can't sit back and linearly plan my steps to think that I'm in control. Does that answer your question? Oh, absolutely. I mean, also, you know, maybe terrified um, because, you know, you know, I've talked about this before, but the military in general, as you touched on, makes you feel very secure. And I think there's this misconception amongst, especially, I would say the flying side, and I don't know as much about the non-flying side, but there's this misconception that people, hey, I'm going to get out and any company's going to be lucky to have me. They'll just be lining sure. up, ready to hire me because I'm a leader yeah. and I have all this experience. And I, I feel like that's not really the case. And that's, it's a, it's a thought that terrifies me because, you know, I can, like you said, I can do some things technically, but I can barely, you know, sometimes manage an Excel spreadsheet, let alone, I've never had to make anybody money. I've never had to, you know, do certain things that the, the business world's going to expect. And so I'm kind of trying to figure out, I think a lot of people need to see the writing on the wall and see, hey, what do I need to do to make myself more competitive if this is something I'm interested yeah. in doing? Man, so I, you know, this is a great, great subject, and there's a ton of great and wonderful resources and men out there, men and women who have done the transition. 
you know, I think it, it all goes back. I think one word that strikes me is inventory. You got to take inventory of yourself. You got to understand how you're wired. You have to understand the inventory of your family. You have to understand the inventory of your skill sets too, and really your risk appetite. And if you don't know that inventory, if you haven't taken it, you're only setting yourself up for failure. The big thing that I learned in my transition is, is it scary? Absolutely, it's scary. But like anything, Brian, we went through the academy together. We went, you know, we did pilot training. We've deployed to the same locations together. Like we've all experienced scary situations, but we always come out on the other side of those you know, exceptionally more matured. Our perspective is more sound and our uh, way of thinking is much more calculated. And I think that's just how you got to approach a military transition is this is going to rock me and it's going to suck. And there's going to be days where I feel like I'm two inches tall. And there's other days where I'm going to feel great. But I think a big misconception you hit on is People think, oh, I'm, I'm this leader and, you know, corporate America's begging for leaders. And there's some truth to that. But what you don't often get is the only companies that are lined up waiting to hire you are recruiters and recruiting companies. And that's it. And there, and we can sit here and say, well, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm this finance guy and Hey, that's great. Like, that's awesome. And truly, I, there's two kind of transitions, Brian, I think. And there's, there's parallel and there's perpendicular. Parallel is like a pilot. We have tons of these guys, right? And uh, there's, we have friends that are doing it right now. And they, they wear the Air Force green suit on a Friday. And they do their, their, their finny flight. And then on Monday, they roll in and they are in, uh, you know, in black pants in a short collared shirt with a tie and a funky wheel hat. And they're walking through an airport. And it's like, sure, they park their car in a different spot. But essentially, when they pull up, the cars get smaller and they push down, the cars get bigger and powers in the middle. And that's and that's it. And then there's perpendicular and perpendicular is a guy like me who I looked at airlines, but I didn't have the hours to go to the majors. I didn't want to make $35,000 a year flying. And I love Abilene. Trust me. I didn't want to fly the Dallas to Abilene leg eight times in a row, you know, 14 days out of the month making nothing. I, I just, I was really primed and I felt you know, the, the Lord just gave me an opportunity to, to take a total pivot. And, and that's what I took advantage of. And again, it goes back to what I was talking about inventory is I love calculated risk. And that's what I loved about being a hurt guy is we took a ton of calculated risk and we had no problem pushing the limits because we knew the limits and we operated really well within those limits. And I wanted to take that mindset and try to apply it to the business world. And it's, I'll tell you, we were speaking a few months ago, just when I first got in the seat, you know, there's a ton of things that we think, and Tom Fletcher gave me this advice on my transition. He, 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 to me, he did a 10 out of a 10 on a job transition. And I, and I'll, I can go into that later of what I think a really successful transition looks like, but 
you know, at the end of the day, what we think might matter to an employer sometimes doesn't. And what we think doesn't matter really does matter. And here's what I mean by that. We might think incredible PowerPoint presentation skills matter going into a new job. They really don't because you're starting at the bottom just with everybody else. But what does matter is your follow-up and asking, hey, what did you mean by that? Hey, tell me, what's the due date for this? When do you need your first draft by? How can I help you? So the things that we think are second nature, especially in the military, of helping one another out, putting your brother before yourself or your sister, making sure the mission gets done over everything else, right? Like that's second nature to us. That's not always the case. And having that mission-driven mentality is something we don't always talk about in the transition. And I think that's something I've learned the most and, and the most important factor of, you know, what skills translate. It's really easy to write it on a resume, but it's really hard to convey in words to a person, cool, calm, and collected under pressure, just like a check ride, <laughs> or just like an evaluation, or just like briefing a general, exactly what you want and how you want it. And it's just a different lingo. But at the end of the day, you bring your mission mindset. You bring your, your sacrifice, service before self. You bring this identity of, hey, excellence and all I'm going to do. I'm going to show up every day. And it's not just some cheesy tagline that the four-star general at the time is going to be pushing you know, through every medium. It's actually embodying that idea that I am not going to put my name on something that's not quality. And you start to realize that you are your brand and you have to represent your brand well. And it's not just, Oh, someone, so-and-so will take care of it. You know, I know this guy's, you know, in my squadron or in my flight and I'll make sure that he takes care of it. It's on you at that point. So I think having that mission mindset is really, really critical. That's awesome. I mean, really good answer, man. That's gosh, you've brought up a lot of stuff that I personally think about a lot. And one thing you mentioned is risk appetite. And so first, my first question is, has your risk appetite grown? Are you more willing to accept risk now that you're on the civilian side or is it gone the other way? Because I think that a lot of times, and I'll continue here, uh, it does become perpendicular versus parallel uh, with a lot of guys as they continue throughout their careers. And mostly because we're mostly risk-adverse people, you know? Totally. You protect what you already have. Um, I always like to call it the track versus the field when it comes to careers. So. The Air Force has convinced a lot of people that life is a track. This is what you do. You go to college. You go to pilot training. You spend 10 years flying. You command. Or you do staff, then you command. And then you get out and you go fly for the airlines. And then before you know it, you're 65. And that's all she wrote. Um, and that's I'm not, I'm not dogging on that at all. But that's basically the two options that seems to be presented to me is, hey, man, you want to get out now and uh, fly for the airlines? Or do you want to get out and... 12 years and then five of the airlines. And it's like, well, there's more to it than that, you know? Um, however, the biggest fear is, well, what if I lose what I already have now, you know? And I want to stay hungry, you know? And I think that's the other way you're talking about with 
just having that follow up and having that that attitude of just like that's you know staying hungry and staying into the career that you want or the chasing the career that you want. Are would you say that you're more apt to try and chase that career? I'm trying to think how to how to frame that, but I, I, don't know. I totally understand what you're saying. I loved your first question. So so has my risk appetite changed? I'd say my risk appetite is more realistic. I don't think it's changed. I think certain things about it have changed. I think what has changed is I'm less eager to go out and do something tomorrow like I was in the Air Force. I was so eager to start my own company and invest in like buy rental properties and like I was just ready. And that is really good when applied at the right time with the right resources with the correct wisdom. However, I've become a little more risk heavy because I am starting to see that with a mission mindset and good people, and I love what the weapon school says, humble, uh, respectable, and approachable, right? If I maintain those three things and I gain like-minded people around me that are operators like we were, then sky's the limit. And there's no one telling me I can't do it. And that's what I love about being on the outside is I don't have the Air Force telling me, well, got to get that approved by your commander. Or, oh, hey, sorry, man, you're, uh, <laughs> you know, can't do that. And that's, I think, does that... So it's it's I think it's become much more realistic as far as my risk appetite goes. And probably something bad because I'm still I'm still new. I'm still trying to learn the whole landscape. No, for sure. Have you ever heard of the concept the infinite game? Essentially that I've not. Okay. It's a good book if you if you ever get a chance to check it out. But essentially what they're getting at is that, you know, the infinite game is essentially life, but in business, whatever it may be, you have to think about not Hey, if I win this game today, what the impact of that is? It's hey, how did I play the game, and does anyone want to play with me again tomorrow, and so on and so on. So I think what you're saying, you know, I like that. You're building your team, you're building your, you're, you're managing and calculating your risk, and you, you have to think ten, fifteen years down in the future to get to the what you truly want exactly. versus just I'll dabble here, I'll dabble there. So I think it does change your whole perspective from playing the short game to the long game. Because like you said, you do have to manage your risk, which is, I don't know, it's really interesting to think. Because like right now, I just like, I'm always like, I have a job tomorrow, so let me just throw money at this. Let me throw money at that and just try things out. But I don't also have the reps on the civilian side to go out and experience true, I guess, projects and true challenges to try and, you know, build something myself. Yeah, big time. And I think you mentioned something really good, Brian, there is the long term. And I always give this advice to guys getting out. I think we've probably spoken on this several times is solve for X. So imagine where team Anderson's going to be in 30 years and just dream on that. What does that lifestyle look like? Where are you living? What are you doing? What gives you virtue? Okay, cool. So that's your X and now work the problem backwards and understand, okay, if I, you know, if I want to start in a, commercial real estate investment company. Okay. What skills do I need? And, and I want to live in 
DFW and I want to have a, you know, I want to have the ability and the means to go skiing whenever I want or hunting whenever I want. Okay. So I got to make X amount of money. I got to have, I got to have all these things in place. And then I'm going to work the problem backwards. Okay. So what skill sets do I need? Okay. Or what experiences do I need? Experience leads to skill sets. And then now when you're approaching and you're on the threshold of your transition, you have a much more finite idea of, okay, if I want to be in the leadership position or have owner or equity in the deal, I need to have great financial education. I need to have great subject matter expert experience. I need to position myself in the hub of whatever industry I'm interested in, realizing that the short-term gratification is much less than the long-term gratification, essentially saying the next five years where I live doesn't really matter because that's, it matters, but it doesn't because I want to get to X. And if you keep that in mind, that's really going to help you ebb and flow. Now, I think, again, going back to inventory, my family's inventory was my wife had a phenomenal opportunity that we couldn't pass up. So it led us here to Fort Worth and working in the DFW area. And so I was very fortunate and blessed to have an opportunity and I liked real estate. And so I was able to be very, you know, that was still running parallel with what our goals were. And a lot of guys getting out have just never solved for X. And what the problem is, and you see this with a lot of our fellow servicemen and women is they are so comfortable in the comfort that it has become an illusion to them. And they have no idea that certifications and resumes and networking outside of the uniform and getting coffee with people that don't go on base every day for work actually matter. And it is on that threshold where they go, well, guess I'm just going to go work this job. And they take it out of submission when that is a byproduct of them just having poor planning. And that's, you know, something that I, I, I want to encourage all transitioning members is, is it scary? It is, but it all comes down to your mission mindset and how you're going to plan for it. And are you willing to do whatever it takes now so you can do whatever you want to later? So what would you recommend? I mean, f- well, first, let me sure. back up a little bit. So Sorry, what, I, was, I threw a lot no, at you. It's awesome. You're giving a lot of good stuff. Uh, so for you, what were you most surprised that you're weakest at and that probably terrified you the most? And then two, you talked a lot about networking and resumes and skills. And I'll be honest, you know, I'm, I try and network as much as possible, um, but I don't know much about resumes. And I'd say I'm pretty weak when it comes to some of, the, some of those skills. I think I have some soft skills. But anyway, what do you recommend for those that are still in, that are considering it, you know, maybe a different career when they get out? that they can do now to kind of improve that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think tangibly what that looks like is, you know, so step one, would be, do, you, do you do inventory? What interests you? And you know what? It's going to change. I, read, I just read a book called Range by David Epstein, and it is one of my favorite reads. And he studies experts versus generalist. And he studies the success of the two categories and what they have. 
in the third order and fourth and fifth effects of that success in their journey. And I, it's, I highly recommend, and um, I know we might be getting into books later, but I, again, basically what he says is do not narrow yourself to one specific field too early because you owe it to yourself and how you're wired to immerse yourself in as many different situations as you possibly can. So here's what I would recommend looking back. And this is what I actually wish I could have done. And one of my mentors in Abilene recommended I do this, but I just didn't have the, the flexibility. I was, I was the executive officer for our, our squadron. And I was also welcoming a, a stud little boy into the world. And I just didn't, my time equity wasn't there, unfortunately. Again, things we can't control. And I'm getting, I'm answering your question here in a little bit by it. But the first thing I would say, what we're recommending to transitioning service members is number one, have a plan two years out. Because when your day of separation hits and you're saying, well, I have a year. Brian, think back to your last year. How quick did that go? I mean, wildly quick. And I give guys two years to say, give your first year this first year of experiments, go talk to guys in finance, go talk to guys in the restaurant industry. If you love to cook, just do it and engage with them, talk with them. And it's really easy to ask, Hey, I would love to hear your life story. If I could buy you a beer. And so many people are quick to answer yes to that. It's a beer. It's really low exchange, but you get a high return in experience and wisdom and insight into their life. Or coffee. I think coffee's a great one. And so I would say experiment, and you would do that by setting a goal for yourself, giving yourself, hey, every other week, I'm going to grab coffee with somebody in the local community that loves America and is willing to give me some of their time. And what service members often don't understand is there's a ton of people that love America and that love service members and are so willing to give up their time and wisdom, not to mention their resources, if you just ask. And it doesn't have to be like knocking down their door like, hey, give me, give me, give me, give me. It's just humbly approaching it like we talked about earlier, saying, Mr. Jones, I love with you what you've built. I would fascinated by your life story. Can we get together and grab a cup of coffee and just come with a ton of loaded, just a ton of questions loaded up, ready to fire away. And you're going to gain so much wisdom by that. And that's really going to help you whittle out. Hey, I think I'm going to like this, or I know I'm going to love this. And that is a really tangible transition that I would, I would give. And what that does and the byproduct of that, Brian, is it builds relational wealth. I hate this idea of networking. Networking implies that it's, I call them business card conventions. You just go around and you just like, you know, rifle off all your business cards. And what do you do with a business card? If the guy really made an impression, you're probably going to take the number down within the first hour of receiving that business card. And then you're going to send a follow-up email. Hey, my name was Brian Anderson. It was nice to meet you. 
Thank you for sharing your time and wisdom with me. And then in two weeks, you got to follow up again to keep that, the blood supply alive to that connection. Or 99% of the time, we just take those business cards and we put them on our nightstand or we put them on the counter and they eventually end, them, end up in, the, in a drawer or in the trash. And you look at them and you go, who was that a guy again? And I'm like, I don't think he'd ever remember me. And so building relational wealth is such a critical skill set that I'm really glad I did in my transition. And I'm not boasting in that. I have a ton of areas that I'm weak at. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, I think, weak in the, and this is going to sound weird coming from me, but discipline. Discipline to consume my downtime, whatever I have, with positive education of my industry. And so I wish I was more disciplined in that. I wish I, that's kind of where I fell a little bit in my transition was I just wanted to come home and hang out with my family and not be stressed out. And I think the reality is, is I'm 30 years old and I'm starting where a 22 year old college kid is picking up at. And I've got to be efficient with my time. And I failed to do that a lot. So. Dude, Ryan, you're just full of like, I don't know. It's so wise, so much wisdom. I oh, I don't know about that. A, a lot of, of school of hard knocks, yeah, man. That's crazy, man. Um, I don't know, it's just blowing my mind listening to you talk about it. It just sounds, it sounds scary. I'll I'll be honest. Like, it doesn't. Sure. It. it again, it's just. I think everybody builds this picture of what it's going to look like once they get out, and it's not always that way. So I just. I don't know. It's just been really eye opening sitting here talking to you. And, you know, I'd say I would like to say across from you. But, you know, it's virtual, but uh, yeah. it's just making me really think things through a lot more. And uh, one, take take appreciation for what I have, but two, try and build that plan. Whether it may whether I stay in or you know get out or go to the airlines, whatever I do, it's hard to to do that and hard to sure. to be honest with yourself and say, hey, this is what I suck at, or anything like that. Uh, what what was there anything that you thought that you wanted to do, and now that you've transitioned, you're like, hey, you know what? That's not for me. That you've maybe you've decided to close doors on. Oh my goodness, I have so many things that I thought I'd love to do X. You know, I one of my mentors said, "You don't know what you don't know," and it's so true. We don't know what we don't know, and that goes back to what David Epstein says in Range and. Just the value of time in the platform that the Air Force, Army, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, what all those services have is a unique flavor. And you need to learn how to leverage the flavor. Learn how to leverage. And you don't do it in a prideful way. You don't. Because people are trained. They can see straight through the smoke. And you have to leverage it. And it's, and I'm looking back, I wish I harnessed that leverage a lot more. I wish I totally went to lunches and dinners and breakfasts with people eight days a week, if I could, because people are so willing to help and they're so willing to do it. You just got to put yourself out there an inch. That's all you got to do. 
And you got to be the first person that reaches your hand across the table and says, hey, my name's Ryan Dukes. I'm really interested. And the conversation will ignite from there. So to go back and, and, and answer your question, I'm sorry, I, I didn't do that right off the bat. But, you know, I when I talked to a lot of guys, I thought financial services is what I wanted to do. Edward Jones, you know, some sort of, you know, private equity, venture capital, something in the finance realm. And a lot of that was driven by what I want my end goal to be. And a lot of it was driven by what I felt to be security and specialization. Finance is not going away. Money is going to be the the currency and the and the blood of the organism of business. There's not it's not getting it's not evaporating tomorrow. So I might as well get really good at it and harness that. And the more I talk to guys about it, the more I realize, hey, I have zero skill sets that make me marketable in the finance world. Number two, if I want to go into the finance world, I got to go into investment banking. I'm 30 years old. I got a wife and a kid. I'm going to get my MBA at night. I don't have the time to go be an investment banker. And I'm really glad I didn't. I'm really, really glad. And, you know, I, 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 I really also wanted to be in oil and gas because I saw these guys in West Texas that are just good old boys rolling up in their dirty trucks. Man, dude, those are my kind of people. And they're worth a lot of zeros. Again, it's not about the money. It's about, it goes back to inventory. And what is, what is success, man? What is success to you? Define success. And um, success to me is being able to utilize time how you want to and having options. That is success. Success is options. And money buys you options. Money allows you to live in the house you want. Money allows you to buy, drive the car you want. Money allows you to buy, eat and buy the food that you would like to consume and help your family grow and stay nourished. Money also gives you um, an availability within business to conduct business with other successful people. You don't see many poor people doing business with uberly successful people unless they're on Shark Tank. You just don't. Because they all, they all have a synergy where they get pulled together. So my goal was to be successful and to have total option in my life. Not control. I think control is a, a false identity because we're not in control. Look what's happening with corona. We're not in control. There's no way we're in control. We can't control the economy. But what we can control is our options. And that's, and that's what I'm after. I want maximum options and be the most efficient with my options. And I saw that in oil and gas, because you got guys that got to hunt, they got to hang out with their family, they got to take really bold, calculated risks, they got to, you know, have multiple homes and go on vacations and try, I love to travel, I love to eat, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a JV wine snob, like I wanna go to Italy, like I wanna go taste great grapes, like I, come on. Um, but oil crashed. And 
I was devastated for a few days because I was like, this is what I wanted to do, you know, and now I am so thankful I'm not in the oil and gas business right now. And I owe so much to my mentors that sat there and said, don't do it. You're not going to do it. You're not going to like what you're going to see. And Brian, if I went to oil and gas, we would be having a drastically different conversation because I'd be fired right now. And I'd be looking for a job just like the hundreds of thousands of oil and gas people right now. I mean, just listening to you talk, I, we, we're six months in your exit interview, basically. And to think that this is a conversation we'd be having, you know, about different careers you could have chose and different paths. And here we are with unforeseen circumstances. I mean, it's just mind, mind blowing what's yeah. happening. Big time, brother. Um, and I'm just grateful, you know, for you that we, you are fortunate enough to still be able to work and progress in your career through this because I mean, that's just, it's nuts. It's just crazy. Um, I don't know. I, I agree. You, you said this a lot and it always, this is something that's resonated with me lately. And I don't know if you've read atomic habits, but out of the books I've read this year, that's been my favorite. And it, I think it uh, kind of is along the same line as range, but the guy talks about being uh process oriented versus results oriented. And with that, with personal goals, he says, you know, just having a personal goal is not enough. And saying, hey, I want to be, say I want to lose 20 pounds. That's a shallow goal. That's a person, that's a, that's a, a, just a results goal. And he says, instead, take that goal and say, well, what does a person that loses 20 pounds look like? What do they do every day? Okay, that person probably works out every day. That person probably eats well every day and makes the decision to uh, go on walks and go outside more and they put exercise first. Okay. So instead of working on losing 20 pounds, work on becoming that person that, you know, does those things. Um, So I think it's really important, like you said, to take inventory of yourself and say, okay, who am I now? What solve for X? What do I want? And what does that person look like? So, like you said, if you want to be that person that gets to be home and spends time with their family, but has a decent life, cost, you know, quality of life, okay, you know, maybe you do choose a more safe, stable career path. And hey, you want to be the guy at the room making the decisions, telling everybody what to do. Okay, what does that look like? And what do those accomplishments need to look like? Big time. And I think it is just you know. I think people don't take enough, don't take self-improvement as serious as they should once they get out of, you know, I hate to say when they get out of college, but I think you hit a point where you think, okay, you know, I'm done, I'm done learning. And something I've learned the last couple of years is that I've had to focus on actual learning about myself, about the world, about personal relationships more in the last two years than I ever did um, in an educational yeah. setting. I mean, I think sure. about all these classes I used to take, and most of the time I'm just trying to get the grade, not really trying to get anything out of it. And, yeah. And now I actually have to like take a step back and be like, whoa, this is, I don't know, it's just been mind-blowing to try and like better myself. I'm rambling, but... I no, know. Brian, I think what... I love it, man. I think this is why we're, we've continued to be friends, uh, you know, even, um, you know, working summer seminar all the way up to this point, right. We go way back, man. And 
you know, and I've, I've, I think you've, you nailed it is self-improvement and, you know, and I'll enter, interweave a question you asked earlier, a big thing that I've learned that I take from the cockpit and insert it into civilian life is the concept and technique of cross-check because we cannot multitask, but we can have great focus on one thing and be able to quickly transition to the next. But we have to know what we're looking for when we transition. I learned, you learn cross-check early on in pilot training. If you stare at your ADI the whole time, your airspeed's going out to lunch. But if you look at your ADI and you go up to your airspeed, then you go to your altimeter, come back to your ADI, then you look at your angle of attack if we're, if we're in an aerial maneuver. We're constantly shifting our focus in life. And we're going to be constantly shifting our focus, not only in, the, in, our, in our service, but also in, in the civilian world. And having an ability to have constant cross-check is a skill that I'm still learning. I'm, I have not arrived on that subject yet. And so self-improvement, I love the quote. It's right outside of Mitchell Hall at the Air Force Academy. And it says that man's flight through life is sustained by knowledge. Just bringing it back. And I do. I love that quote. And it's so true. I think if you look at the structure of academia today, it says this. Here's information. Now regurgitate it back to me. We're not saying, here's information. Now apply it the right way to me in different situations. And what we're learning, I think, in our late 20s and early 30s is how are we applying this information and does it, does it work? And we can talk theories of relationships. We can talk theories of math. We can talk theories of science. But until we're actually in it, and, and we're applying it, it's all theory at that point. It's, it's truly very roughly a tested hypothesis that are not principles yet. And so I think really being scared is the first correct step in a military transition. <laughs> it's, if you're not scared, I'm scared for you because that means your posture is walking into a situation overconfident, overassumptioned, and clearly driven by pride that you're the greatest, you know, zipper-suited thunder god that ever walked in to a, squ- a flying squadron or the greatest officer, the greatest senior NCO, and, you know, you're this elite operator. Dude, I'll tell you this, man. No one cares. And that's the hardest thing for us to stomach. Everyone cares that we're in the service, but when you get out, they said, man, thanks for your service. But that doesn't mean a job offer. That's just genuine gratitude when people thank you for your service. But when you start saying, hey, can I get a job? They're all going to balk at you. And here's why. Not all. Okay, that's a large assumption and generalization there. But most most companies that you want to be a part of are going to look at you and say, look, dude, I think it's great you flew airplanes. I think it's great that you were number one out of 450, you know, captains. I think it's great that you're, you know, you have 14 air medals and you've got eight deployments to Afghanistan. Like, it's all great. But you don't know a thing about process management. You don't know a thing about code writing. You don't know a thing about cybersecurity. You don't know a thing about 
And really, we're going to have to start you at the bottom. And so many guys and girls are so hesitant to just humble themselves and say, you know what? I guess I'm just going to have to do that. And that's when they stay. And I'd rather live one day as a lion than a thousand as a sheep. I truly would. And again, it goes back to inventory and it goes back to how, who, who am I created to be? How am I created? And I'm not knocking career military officers. I think there's some of the best leaders I've ever came across are career military officers. I mean, we've witnessed some of them ourselves, you know, Brandon Troyer and Tim Fritz and, um, yeah, man, fighting Joe Frampton and, you know, and, and Spartan Allen. I mean, we, I mean, the list, you know, um, Clint six shooter Wilson. I mean, the, the, the list goes on dude. And, you know, general Clark at the Academy, the guys probably one of the greatest leaders, general Gould. I mean, you think of these guys and they're immense leaders and they're really good at it, but you know, man, my cards were dealt, but even if I had good hips, Brian, I'd still be getting out at 10. And I think a big part of that is, you know, um, that it's, if, if people view life in the sense of, in the lens of bookends, then military life makes perfect sense. I'm going to do 20 years bookended. I'm going to do my career at Delta, or I'm going to do my career at Amazon. Or I'm going to do my career, fill in the blank, here. I'm going to retire here. And then the rest is just like, well, I did it all. I'm at peace with myself. To me, like you said, I loved it. The analogy, um, you know, it is, uh, to me, life is an adventure. And we are given the gift of this adventure. And it's up to us to optimize that adventure. And being scared of a transition is normal and it's human because we're taking ourselves out of a safe and secure environment and we're applying theories that we that were proven in the air force and in the military and we're testing them into an unknown environment and that's scary because Brian you're you're very successful in the air force you're a very successful guy in the air force and I think a big part of that what is the underlying factor in that fear is I'm not sure if you you know if you're to ask yourself if I'm doing what I'm doing in the Air Force, is that going to equally translate to success outside? And honestly, I'm still, that's a fear that I'm battling myself because sure, I'm competent, I'm becoming competent in my job, but I'm not number one yet. And that's starting to freak me out a little bit because there's no tangible feedback. And the, you know, the, the whole deal is, is that that fear is good. And I love what Matthew McConaughey said. And I know I'm rambling, dude. I'm so sorry. No, I love that. Keep um, going. So Matthew McConaughey, one of his, I believe it was, it was like 2014, 15, I think, acceptance speech. And he says, I am, um, I have three forces in my life. I'm running away from Matthew uh, Matthew McConaughey that didn't do anything with his life. I'm trying to to beat Matthew McConaughey of yesterday, and I'm also trying to chase after Matthew McConaughey in 10 years. And it's this posture to me that I've got to get better every day. And there's some days where I straight suck, dude. I failed big time. 
but I also have days where I did real, I, I saw an improvement and, you know, managing your, your fears, managing your stresses, managing your dreams, because your dreams are going to change when you get out and still keeping all those within your cross check of, okay, is this what I want to keep doing? Am I enjoying the person that I'm becoming? Am I growing towards the goal that I need to be growing towards? Am I obtaining the skill sets that I still need to be obtaining? Am I getting the experience? Am I gaining the credibility? Is my reputation growing? How is my, how is my close nuclear core of friends? How is my family doing? And you keep bouncing and pinging from all these really central points because that is what's going to make a successful transition. It's not going to be in the six months. It's not going to be in the job that you get. Everyone's going to say congratulations on LinkedIn. Yeah, good job, dude. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, like the world is flat and it's an adventure. And if your adventure is to go out and be a great general and a great leader, then you need to go do that. But if your adventure is to go take on risk or to go try something new or go do something, you know, uh, whatever gives you virtue, then do. I'll have a Ben Franklin quote and I'll in, I'll in my answer on this slash uh, soapbox is um, Ben Franklin defines, you know, success is uh, frugality. Or he def- I'm sorry, he defines virtue, which is a key component to success. But he says virtue is defined by industry and frugality. And I would add a third component, which is a, you know, a spiritual, you know, tendency to that is you got to have, you know, peace, internal peace, faith-driven peace about what you're doing. And um, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I think those three components, you know, to that you got to, you got to be driven by your, what gives you virtue. And you can't lose that in your transition. Because that virtue is what's gotten me through some really tough days. Because there's a lot of days ago, man, I just wish I was still in the Air Force. I just still, I I was good at it. I knew it. It was linear. I knew exactly my next assignment. I knew exactly what I'd be getting. All I had to do was show up and not suck. You know? And it's hard not to suck some days. So I think knowing your virtue, again, it goes back to inventory. Why are you doing it? And um, so, yeah, dude, I'm all over the place. Oh, so it's sorry. awesome. This is great. And uh, it's real, which is making it even better. The, uh, you know, you talked about, I think the whole theme that we've kind of danced around is just self-reflection and self-understanding and how important that sure. is. And the ability to admit when you don't know something and admit that you're scared. And I think that's really freeing to understand your fear and understand you don't know something because as I've gotten older, I realize there's a lot of times I don't know. And yet I want to say that I do because I hate not knowing the answer. Or I hate being wrong. But as I've gotten older, I've had to accept like, I don't know what I'm doing and I need to ask for yeah. help and I need somebody to come in and, and, te- and show me this, or I need to look it up and, and be humbled about what's going on. Um, do you think like in your current job, um, one, do you feel safe when you don't know something to say that, to, to get that help? And do you have a mentor or, or what's that like? Cause I feel like I have tons of mentors around me here, but I feel like it'd be a lot more intimidating in the civilian world to try and, I guess, confide in somebody about, I don't know, shortcomings. Yeah. 
So, man, that's a wonderful question, Brian. I do feel safe at work saying, hey, I don't know the answer. And I attribute that to two things. Number one, I, my, my tr- innate trust and in re- positive relationship I have with my boss and the people I work for. And number two is, again, this is what the military taught me, is I don't care how bad I'm going to get yelled at. I don't care if we have to do, you know, a reattack on the airdrop. I don't care. Like when we've gone through things where it might not be gain or loss of money, but it's gain or loss of lives or gain of loss of mission. You better speak up. You better ask for help. And I still, I still take that posture and that mindset of like, okay, I better ask for help on this. Even though it might not be the extreme result of casualty, but it's the extreme result of humility that I'm driving to ask those questions. There's multiple inputs to that, but I think we as individuals are often responsible for two things. Number one, asking for help and also creating the proper environment for other people to ask for help. You get me jazzed over here, man. It's awesome. I'm telling you. No, it's all good. It's a lot of hard oh, school. Again, school hard knocks. All these lessons I've learned the hard way. <laughs> all right. Um, so I'm going to kind of start wrapping us up here. We've crushed an hour, by the way. So, you know, so, I love it. It's been awesome. I love it. Um, so obviously, you know, pivoting, it's a challenge. But what, you know, in a nutshell, if you had to wrap it up, what resources and skills would you uh, we talked about you know talking around our networking things like that but like what would you say hey do this take a skill building class here resumes whatever it may be what would you recommend um to anybody that may be yeah ending their service or sure that's a great question number one i'd say you know step one start now it's never too late to start asking yourself really really tough questions and addressing the fears and addressing vulnerabilities and asking yourself, you know, really good questions. And that is step one. Step two is, and Brian, I'm more than happy to send this to you or to anybody that I made a, a whole checklist for getting out of the Air Force. And because I had to do my deal in a condensed like three months. And it would actually probably take me two years to healthily do it and to fully do it. So if guys are thinking about getting out of the Air Force, I think, number one, asking yourself the question, are you within the two years of your day of separation? And if so, start planning. And you need to have a course of action for staying in and a course of action for getting out. And you need to understand what is driving those two courses of action. And when you come to that conclusion, that will tell you if you're going to stay in or get out, because it's going to be for the right reason. And if, as healthcare is a wonderful luxury of being in the Air Force, it should never be a reason to stay in. And if a retirement check, just the pure economics of the retirement check are for why you're staying, again, I implore you to look a little bit deeper. And I just want people to stay for the right reasons. Our climate right now in the, in the military is very challenging, and we need leaders that are doing it for the right reason. And 
we have too many leaders that are doing it for the wrong. And we can see it from the second they take command or the second they, you know, take in charge of, you know, put, pinning on chief or pinning on senior or, I mean, or pinning on major. I mean, we do, we, we see it the second it happens. So anyways, my point being, not to rant, know what you're doing and know why you're doing it. And please make sure it's for a virtuous cause. Um, build a resume. Start looking at jobs that you want. LinkedIn, Brie Mailing's a phenomenal resource that I used, and she was so instrumental and in really, again, asking for help, right, Brian? I pinged my resume to seven people. And I, any person that I respected, I said, I need you to look at my resume and send me feedback. And I have like literally 10 versions of my resume because it's a living document and it's always going to be changing. And I recommend guys start now, start understanding how to, how to write a resume because you, and people say, well, I think resumes are BS. Well, yeah, they are, but guess what? It's the rules we play by. So know the rules and the rules are certifications and a good resume. So get your resume, get your certifications, get your PMP, get your real estate license. If you're going into real estate, go get a a CFA, you know, um, level one, go start taking classes at night at local universities and you know, go start getting certifications online. Universities are offering a ton of certifications that people can get from the comfort of their home. And it's going to cost you a couple thousand dollars. But guess what? That's, some, that's a piece of paper you put on your resume. And that brings a, your, your resume not only to the top, but that also gives you a very solid leg to stand on in an interview. And probably some of the hard skills that we're not getting in the Air Force that we probably need to get to make a successful transition. The other thing that I would recommend is build relational wealth. Man, I'll tell you, my mentors are out of my conquest for relational wealth and relational wealth is not, hey, let me just network because I want to get something out of you so you can get something out of me. It's like, no, dude, I just want to know you and I want to love you and I want to understand you. And you know what? If something comes out of it, then something comes out of it. But what I'll tell you is one of my dear friends that I've learned through my transition, he was a guy that sent me a list of names and their emails. In their in their positions, and he and he said, pick any of these guys you need to want to reach out to, and you have full freedom to introduce, you know, to to say that I I recommended you reach out to them. And really, the only way I got there was building relational wealth. It wasn't, you know, I used LinkedIn. I cold connected with guys on LinkedIn. I and I've got spiels and I've got everything typed out for guys because I want vets to make, I'm very passionate about veterans making a really strong transition because it's a scary deal. There's not a ton of resources out there for it. People are so, they're doing it wrong. There's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And trust me, if you want to see the wrong way, there's plenty of bad examples out there. And really it's all rooted in pride and saying you're this elite operator, but at the end of the day, no one cares. No one cares. Um, they hire Thunderbirds, they hire F-16 pilots, they hire Navy SEALs. Um, but I know Navy SEALs that have gotten hired and been totally miserable. And, um, and that's just all a byproduct of a successful transition. And the reason I got my job is I literally went up to my CEO at my cousin's wedding. And I said, I will buy you a beer in exchange for your wisdom on how you built the career you built. And we exchanged numbers and we stayed in touch and we got breakfast. And when it was time to, for me to go get a job, I literally remembered him. I didn't reach out to him. I just applied for a position. I called up the HR person at his company and I said, Hey, I'm moving to Dallas. I, you know, I know this person. I, I grabbed breakfast with, you know, the owner and I, we've just talked wisdom and, you know, I, I think this is a place I'd really like to come work. And 
And I just took it from there. I didn't, you know, I didn't name drop to throw weight around. I just name dropped to say, this is how I figured out about you guys. And I haven't talked, spoken with them. And I think this would be a good fit because I read your job description. You know, and Brees mentioned a lot of that in the, in the first podcast of, you know, that's the other thing is those minimum requirements. Again, people can say, look, man, I'm weapons officer. I'm a Phoenix guy. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm this little high tier finance operator, green door, you know, spec ops. Okay, cool, dude. But guess what? Amazon's not going to hire you if you don't have the minimum requirements. You have to have the minimum requirements. And that is founded in your appetite and your posture to learn more and to constantly be achieving what you have to. So that's, that's a really long answer to say, stay hungry, build relational wealth, and, and be very intentional about your time because comfort's an illusion and you'll be sucked into the zombie apocalypse in the, in the, you know, in the ozone layer if you just do what everyone else is doing. And my biggest advice is to guys like you and to guys like, you know, our buddy Zach and is go and build relationships with people that don't wear the uniform and do it on a regular basis and stay in touch with them. I mean, sending a podcast that reminds you of what you talked about with them, that's for free. You know, buying them a cup of coffee every other month, that's less than $5. You know, like, Sending them an article on, uh, from a reputable news source. Hey, I saw this. I thought of you. I'd love to get your thoughts on this, or I hope you're doing well. Or just a genuine calling them up out of the blue. I mean, do you remember the last time someone called you out of the blue and said, hey, Brian, I'm just curious how you're doing. I just, I was thinking about you. I care about you. I just, I hope you're doing well. I mean, to me, that resonates a feeling of someone cares. And that, that, that really stands out to me, you know? And that, that means a really positive impact. Yeah, remember, these people are human, too. They might be worth a lot of money, but they're human, too. And when you do that and you write handwritten letters and you just you do all the free things, that speaks volumes of your value. And my biggest fear, my still my biggest fear is I don't bring anybody value. I don't have a book of business. I don't have this new app idea. I just don't have value. But you do have value. And that's a big misconception is we do have value. And it comes back to harnessing that through perspective and your posture. And um, I hope I answered your question on all that Absolutely. stuff. Um, and, dude, I, and trust me, I'll send you my I'll send you. I have one for you, Safa grads, because I think you Safa grads are really good at a lot of things. And we're also really prideful and destructive in our own way. And I think, you know, my big thing is. I had a lot of Navy guys help me. And I think Air Force guys, we can do a lot better. And I know we can. We fly better air- aircraft. I know we can, we can, we can help, you know, guys fly, uh, you know, fly a better sortie to get out, get, you know, in, onto the civilian side. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I mean, everything you shared has honestly, it's, it's eye opening. And I'm just trying to sit here and listen and absorb what I can because I don't know, So sometimes it's a different perspective. I've never really experienced so it's it's all been good man so don't feel bad about rambling because you're not rambling it's all been helpful um well i I hope it's a tangible value to you for sure uh is there anything that you just kind of it's just random or anything that you wanted to kind of discuss just in general oh man um yeah you know i would say shoot 
there's a lot. Number one, don't be don't be scared. It's okay. It's a normal feeling to be scared. It's, it's I think being scared is a, a byproduct of a lack of comfort, you know. And and we're really comfortable sometimes in the Air Force or in the military. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I think the other thing I'd like to share, Brian, is a lot of guys don't know how to network or I, I hate that word, but you know, relationally build wealth. It's really easy. And what I'll also say is wherever you go, service academies and veterans as a whole, there is a pocket of veterans in every industry. It doesn't matter what industry it is, there is a pocket of veterans in that industry, and they are usually a sphere of influence. Tap into that sphere, tap into that ecosystem. Get to know those guys that are veterans in tech, real estate, finance, oil and gas, you know, whatever it is, there are veterans in that circle. And I'll tell you one thing, the veteran network is so strong on the outside, dude. It's like, um, it's like the movie Wedding Crashers when Owen Wilson, or no, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, Owen Wilson goes to Will Ferrell's house and he knocks on the door in total disparity. He says, hey, is, is Chaz home? You know, and Will Ferrell's Chaz, he's like, who are you? And why should I be talking to you? And he, and Will, and, you know, Owen Wilson says, well, you know, uh, so-and-so told me, Jeremy says, I need to come see you. And he goes, oh, you're so-and-so. And he goes, yeah, I'm him. He goes, well, come here, brother. And like, that just instant love <laughs> that instant love is so alive in the veteran community because they're like oh wait you're a marine come here brother like come on man like come here sister like bring it on in like because i think there's just an underlying understanding of what we've all gone through and um and man it's it is such a true and real connection just of other people that have worn our nation's colors you know both home and away and that find that find that group and understand that and don't be afraid to ask people hey do you know, do you know any veterans in this area and i think a lot of times too is just asking the right questions man so here's how you build relational wealth okay i, I call it and i was taught to this by a uh, guy by the name of billy wags navy seal awesome dude and he um and he told me this he just broke it down so simple he says Ryan, what was your success rate with a cold connection? And I was like, what's a cold connection? He's like, you just reach out to somebody randomly and said, hey, I'd love to grab coffee with you. I said, well, it's, I mean, I, I get them, but it's not great. And he says, my point, because here's what a warm connection is. So, Brian, let's take you, for example, and you want to get into the real estate business. And you say, man, I want to go live in Florida, in Orlando. It's great. Brian, I, I know a guy there, and he's in com- commercial real estate right now. And um, uh, and I'll ask, what do you want to do? And that's a big part, too, is, is a big gap is guys and girls just don't know what they want to do. And, and that's so it's hard for advocates like me to get people connected because I want to connect people and I want to make sure. So I think having a general idea of what you want to do really helps a person like me who's going to go to bat for you nine, nine times out, or 10 times out of nine and make sure that you get every resource you can and um, and be a broker for those relationships with now anything in return. And so um, you say, yeah, man, I want to get in a commercial real estate down the floor. So perfect. Um, when are you going to be there? And I'll, we'll kind of have a conversation. I'll say, cool, I'm going to reach out stream to my buddy who's in Orlando, Florida. 
and I'm going to call him and I'm going to say, I got this guy, Brian, who's really interested. Would you be willing to connect with him? And he'll probably going to say yes. And then I'm going to reach back out to you and say, Brian, I got this guy that wants to connect with you. When's a good time for you to connect? And so then I will three-way everybody in on an email or I'll, you know, group text or I'll get, or I'll, you know, we'll patch everybody in on the phone and I'll make the introduction. Hey, Joey, this is Brian, Brian, Joey. I grew up with Joey. Joey's in commercial real estate. Brian, Brian, Brian and I were wingmen back in Abilene. We were flying C-130s together. He's, he was, loves the idea of real estate. Thank you so much for connecting. I'll let you guys take it from here. And that's a warm connection. Warm connections build the bridges for relational wealth. You have to have a warm connection because just like anybody else, you know that I'm calling and I know that you're going to call me. And when you do that, it creates harmony, it creates synergy, and it creates an ability for people to actually have a transact, a, a truly um, solid conversation about what's going on. And, you know, and it's not like you're cold calling a guy and he's out like, why are you calling? What are you calling for? How do I trust you? Because when someone vouches for your name, probably just like you got your next assignment, right? You had a guy that called a guy up and said, hey, dude, I got this guy. And he's a really good pilot. And he's a great dude. And he's a wonderful team player. And he's full of integrity. And he's full of character. And he's going to be a value add. Can you give him a shot? And they're going to call back and say, yeah, I'll, you're like, cool. What's his name? Hey, Brian, I just called him. So now you, your shots skyrocketed according versus everyone else that just applied to the regular you know, streams of it. So it really comes down to who you know and being a good steward of those relationships. And you do that by having warm connections. That's awesome advice, dude. Ryan, thanks, man. I, I hope you had a good time doing this. Um, I, this was phenomenal. I again, I, I'm just so sorry if I ranted, but no, it's uh, awesome. I no, it, I, as I get older, I've been trying to get back to to just having real conversations because I feel like so much we just get bogged down, man. And it's always, oh, how's the weather? Good. How's this? How, go, you know, and I just want to uh, have a real conversation. So you know, thanks for dude. Brought it strong. You're genuine. Well, thank you. Lots of good advice. Thank you. Um, I miss you, brother. Well, it's look, good if you have any anybody that, that is transitioning, please give them my email, and I'm more than happy, more than willing to give them my story, any resources I've created. Well, Ryan, thanks again. and I blessings. Soon, we'll see you, man. See you then. We did it. Two episodes down. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and as always, if you have any suggestions, comments, or questions, please reach out to us at blackboxrecordingspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again. Until next time, see ya!